Welcome to the Michigan in Focus podcast powered by the Center Square. I'm Bruce Walker, Midwest Regional Editor of the Center Square Newswire Service. Michigan in Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. You can find all of the Center Square's great podcasts at americastalking.com. That's americastalking.com. And we ask you to subscribe to Michigan in Focus wherever you listen to your podcast. We're recording today on Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. For obvious reasons, this being the week of Thanksgiving, and we know that, well, our two guests today have other things to do besides record podcasts on Thanksgiving Day. So joining me today is Michigan correspondent Scott Marshmallow Yam McClellan and Tom Turkey Gantert. How are you today, fellas? Doing good. How are you, Bruce? I'm doing pretty well. And how about you there, Tom? Good. I think he's still smarting from the Tom Turkey ganter because he's never heard that before. He's he smiled for all of those who can't can't see us, which is everybody. But listen, <laughs> uh, here we are two days before Thanksgiving. And uh, who has major plans? I don't do anything. I just watch Lions football on Thanksgiving. That's no. it. So you, you kind of sit in your your dungeon and take the abuse. No, I got rid of I got rid of cable about 10 years ago. I don't even own a TV. So, if I want to watch a sporting event, I have to go out. So, and that's a good. It gets me out of the house. Otherwise, I'd never leave. There you go. My How about boat. you, Scott? Plan to celebrate with my significant other's parents. Oh, well, fantastic. Fantastic. I will be dealing with my significant other's parents as well. And uh, something tells me that might just eventually lead to a food fight. But there you have it. So this has been a short week. We don't have a a tremendous assortment of stories to select from. So why don't we begin with discussing a story that I filed late uh, last Friday. And that is um, try to find out if there was anything new on the Line 5 front. And not a whole lot of individuals were geeked to talk to me. Uh, As a matter of fact, I I think you could say that I was almost stonewalled by legislators when it came to the topic of Line 5 and what they plan to do when uh, the new sheriff in town arrives on the 1st of January. How long have the Democrats been trying to shut down Line 5? Years, absolutely years. And, and Tom, you would probably know more about this than I because you've been covering it from your previous jobs into the position that you're in now. Let's talk about the perception of Line 5. You know, when, when you talk about Line 5 and nuclear power plants, the major reason why they don't want it is the the fear of a catastrophic event, whether it be a, 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 an oil spill uh, or a, you know, before your time, Scott, a uh, nine-mile island type. Uh, three-mile island. Three-mile island, I'm sorry. Three-mile yeah. island reactor core meltdown. Then, you know, I'd ask you, Bruce. Okay, now I'm going to test my memory. The Jane Fonda movie. Uh, China with, Syndrome. China Syndrome. Has there been a movie, do you think, that's had a more impact on our energy industry than that movie? I would have to say probably not. There have been many attempts, but when you have Jack Lemmon and Michael Douglas and Jane Fonda as the trifecta of environmental Hollywood fear mongers, there you go. And uh, 
Yes. I mean, I, I recall my, my best friend and I arguing. I had an apartment right across from the theater when China Syndrome opened and it was there all summer long and people were coming out saying, oh, my gosh, terrible things and are going to melt down to China. So, right. so here's my question to you. This is the form of energy, nuclear power, that should be. It's the cleanest. Uh, Jason Hayes will tell you that from the Mackinac Center. Uh, and yet it it still faces what's a resistance from the progressive people who do not want nuclear and for me, for the life of me, uh, you know, every there's there's some cons to every form of energy, but it seems like nuclear power would be the way to go. Well, yeah, and and Scott, you you talked to uh, Jason Hayes, the aforementioned Jason Hayes, the ubiquitous Jason Hayes, when it comes to conversations of this type. And what did he tell you? told me that nuclear energy provides reliable, affordable base level electricity. That's a far better option than wind and solar. He said that wind and solar only provide an intermittent or unreliable energy. And uh, he says that, quote, we prop up unreliable, intermittent or variable forms of energy that are forced into the market because of market destabilizing subsidies. And then it makes it next to impossible for reliable, safe forms of electricity to, to compete. So let me let me ask you this. I'm going to read you guys a headline and you guys tell me what you think happened. This ran in Michigan radio. OK. Enbridge calls line five incident dangerous, but fails to uh, file uh, or excuse me, but files no official safety report. Now, any idea what you think happened? Oh, was that the anchor strike? Yeah, the protesters. Okay, so that, okay. That, that this is when the protesters took one of them took a wrench and tried to uh, uh, use it on a manual shutoff valve in 2021. Okay, that's not what the covered that. Yeah, yeah, that's not what the headline makes you think happened, though. You right? Know? Yeah, they, that, that's they, not an incident. That's sabotage. Okay. Yes. That's not like something. That's that's a protester, which is by the way crazy. If you if you're actually going to a oil line and trying to damage it with a pipe. Well, we, we do live in an age where such false flag operations do take place. So uh, nothing would surprise me, I suppose, uh, as morally abhorrent as it might seem. The, these things happen. They happen all the time. So and when you're talking about line five, you're talking about um, energy costs, right? Uh, propane. Uh, line five supplies, what, 66% of the propane demand for the UP and 55 statewide. Correct. So the U.S. Energy Information Administration just came out with um, its average retail cost of electricity throughout the country for 2021. Michigan's uh, costs or in cents per kilowatt hour was $12.93, okay, on average. Ohio, which uh, twenty is a thirty-minute ride for me uh, in a car, was nine dollars and seventy-six cents, or excuse me, was nine point seven six cents. So Michigan's twelve point nine three cents, Ohio nine point seven six cents. So Michigan's costs for electricity in two thousand twenty were thirty-three percent higher than what uh, they're paying in Ohio. You know, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, and under that uh, statistic. Uh, there's a movement to shut down line five, which would make the cost of electricity go up, too. So these are the things that that um, have to be taken into consideration. 
Well, sure. And, and we're looking at about 560 gallons of hydrocarbons that come through the dual pipelines daily through uh, the Line 5 dual pipelines. And they, uh, they, there are two pipelines that that go across the Straits of Mackinac. The, the complete Line 5 is like 700 miles long. The the part of the pipeline, the portion of the pipeline that people are talking about is only five miles long. And that, that spans the Straits of Mackinac be, between the Upper Peninsula and the Lower Peninsula. And it's done so for... Uh, what, 70 years now, it's 1953. So it'll be 69 years. It'll be 70 years, uh, next year. So, uh, more or less without incident, there has never been a leak. There's been, uh, persistent, uh, repairs done on it. And, uh, they've been very prophylactic in their approach to ensuring that there has not been an oil leak. But the, the fear is that there will be eventually something catastrophic that happens. And I was it in 2020 when there was an anchor strike on one of the lines and uh, Enbridge shut it down immediately. Nothing leaked into the lake. Uh, they had it repaired and they had it up and running. And that's when uh, it went hell's a popping. That's when the governor... Governor Whitmer and uh, the Attorney General both uh, went crazy to close Line 5. And that had just been after uh, Gretchen Whitmer came into office because prior to that, the um, former administration of Governor Rick Snyder during their lame duck session determined that they were going to permit the building of a tunnel 100 feet beneath the bedrock of the Straits of Mackinac to house the the tunnels. So move them so there would never, ever be any concern about any type of anchor strike or sabotage or what have you. And Enbridge said, well, you know what? It's we're the ones who recognize the profits from this, so we'll pay for it. And the price at that point in time was around five hundred million dollars, and I'm sure it's quite a bit more now. Anyway, let's let's move to the Palisades. Uh, we, Scott, give us a little bit of a historical background on that because I, I find it really interesting that. Uh, we we closed Palisades. We as a state closed Palisades, and then a new owner said, "Well, let's uh, see if we can't keep this going." And uh, the governor actually got involved, and dealing with uh, Jennifer Granholm, who was the former governor of Michigan, who is now the Secretary of Energy, uh, said, "Nada." Although she did approve one point one billion dollars to keep the Diablo Canyon nuclear power plant in California running and operable. So give us a little bit more information on that. So Palisades was sold to Holtec decommissioning in June of 2022. The company applied for a federal civil nuclear credit on July 5th in hopes to get federal funding to reopen the plant. But uh, this week, the Department of Energy rejected that application. Okay, well, you know, the Palisades has been there for for how long? Um, any 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 clue, Scott? Uh, oh, before before you before you were born. Yes. So, and and I I've spent a lot of time in that area with uh, friends 
who uh, had a, a cottage down there and they, they suffer from the, the China syndrome syndrome, which is, you know, fear of all things nuclear. But I, I just remember when I was editor of Michigan Science back in the day and there was a study that came out that showed 70 percent of the industry of Spain left to go to France because France is like 73% nuclear energy at that point in time. And uh, Spain decided that they were going to forego nuclear energy and that they were going to go total, re- you know, total renewables as in wind and solar. And it spiked prices so incredibly that industry just packed up and left and, w- and went to France instead. So um, I, I'm thinking that that's probably what was going on in the mind of uh, our legislators and our uh, authority figures in Lansing, where they just determined, well, maybe this was not such a good idea. Maybe we're pulling the plug too soon. And uh, the, the, the feds, Again, former Michigan Governor Jennifer Granholm said, "No, you're 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 SOL on this one." That's that's a scientific term, by the way, SOL. I think the big question is how Michigan is going to replace the power that was created by Palisades. I believe it created more than 800 megawatts of carbon-free energy, which was a major source of energy for Michigan in 2022. Right. Well, I think it'd be interesting maybe in the future if we got uh, Jason Hayes on here to talk to us and, and give uh, his impression. Now, a, a lot of what is happening with land, Line 5 and uh, Palisades, uh, th- this was part of the debate that happened b- during the campaign between uh, Tudor Dixon, the Republican candidate, and uh, the reelection campaign of uh, Gretchen Whitmer. And Governor Whitmer said, well, everything is proceeding as it should, and we have all the permits, all the permits have been submitted, and that it's out of our hands now. And um, she didn't really, she wasn't exactly what I would call forthright when addressing the fact that she has been engaged in legal maneuvers to keep everything closed. Or, or to close everything down and close it down permanently without a replacement tunnel or anything. It, it looks like the state goal will be just to go through solar power and wind turbines in terms of how we get our energy. And I, I'm afraid you're, you're correct. I think your assessment is, is probably spot on. I think they're just waiting until the beginning of the year to. Uh, well, and maybe a little it. more towards solar. I think you're going to see more solar down the road than, than wind. Considering that we live in Michigan, <laughs> I'm just wondering how much solar input we're going to have to have the output that it would be necessary to run our industry. Well, Scott, why don't, why don't you uh, lead us into the next topic? A federal grand jury convicted a former unemployment insurance agency employee and three others of bilking more than $1 million from taxpayers. A 33-count indictment alleges that between May 2020 through uh, January 2022, four co-defendants committed wire fraud by filing fraudulent unemployment claims in Michigan and elsewhere. 
Adelita Juarez worked as a UIA examiner and allegedly processed fraudulent claims. Uh, her daughter also allegedly received kickbacks. So I think we're finally starting to see now some of the pro- problems of what was going on inside the UIA during the two years where so many Michiganders who uh, couldn't access benefits that they were eligible for. Well, okay, Sky, you've been following this for a long time. Uh, you you and I were shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow when uh, the pandemic hit and we saw all the UIA claims, all the unemployment claims and people requesting PPP loans and, and what have you. So give us some numbers. Give us a little bit of background on this. Numbers of claims filed or numbers? Yes, yes. And 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 also, how much money the state was bilked out of for fraudulent claims? Let me chime in here. Uh, there's a Bloomberg News article, and the headline is basically, or the question is, is how much money has been you know fraudulently claimed in these COVID relief, and they estimate their estimate was hundreds of billions. But they, they, they also counter with this line: "No one really knows." You know, <laughs> wow. And, and so, you know, there's unemployment, and then there's also the you know what, what is called the um, Paycheck Protection Program. And uh, you know, I'm a sports fan, so I mean, everybody, college students, pro football students or pro football players, all of them got into the, you know, paycheck protection program. And there was a a story about um, some football players who uh, are just now getting busted for a $24 million um, PPP loan uh, fraud. Um, So it's all over the place and there's so much of it, they can't keep up with tracking it. And that's been the consistent theme they've been saying since, uh, you know, it, uh, what, you know, Bloomberg estimated that there was $5 trillion given out by the government. So, you know, good luck uh, tracking that. Um, oh, all right. Well, I just remember having meetings. This is before you, you onboarded, Tom, where uh, having conversations with some of uh, our West Coast editors. And uh, I'm, can you believe it's been like $8 billion or $30 billion in, in the state of Michigan? And they're like, Dude, hold my beer because there's we're we're in California and in California it's it's exponentially larger. I mean, we're talking mega billions, and so as you said, you know, nationwide it's uh, into it could be into the trillions of of fraudulent claims being made. Now, Scott, let me ask you this. Uh, we, we, um, we've covered this extensively, and when I say we, I mean you. Uh, did Kim Kardashian have anything to do with any of this? Jury's still out on that one. Okay. I uh, haven't been able to confirm that. Okay. Well, I, I know that uh, her ex-husband has probably lost a, a lot of money uh, with his Adidas deal. So maybe, but uh, no, there were individuals who were actually filing unemployment claims in the state of Michigan, uh, spoofing celebrity names. 
Uh, and I think you said that, uh, that a, a woman from or an individual, we don't know whether it was male or female, uh, from the Trevor City area had uh, filed a claim under the name of Kim Kardashian. So we're, we're, we're not casting aspersions at uh, the actual Kim Kardashian because we know she would never, ever do anything that would be considered unethical. But, yeah. So I'm I'm looking at one of the indictments in 2022 for uh, unemployment fraud. It was in Benton Harbor, Michigan, and and the woman had a hair salon and uh, was caught, you know, fraudulently uh, claiming to have employees. And and uh, and when you read these stories, it's like the indictment alleges the loan procedure used to purchase a 2017 Jaguar. <laughs> yep. You know, and it's just like. It reminds me of the of the Robert De Niro movie um, where um, what's one with the bank heist? Goodfellas. Goodfellas and Goodfellas, where they after they knock off the airport, they all show up. The, the women shows up with a fur coat at the party, and the other guy's got a new car. And and he, De Niro realizes that you can't go flashing your bling right after you know, and it's like. You know, if you're dri- if you're in Benton Harbor, <laughs> driving around a Jaguar, <laughs> you're going to draw some attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's wrap this up with one last story. And I'm going to direct this to you, Tom. And Scott, if you want to chime in, feel free. Very briefly, now that the Dems are in charge of the Senate, the House, the AG's office, the governor's mansion, what do you think they have up their sleeve? You know, Part part we should know what they have their sleeve if you looked at their legislative agenda over the last ten years, because you know what they want to do is end charter schools. Okay, uh, that's going to be the top of the thing. What they want to do is get rid of right to work. Okay, that's we reported on, and that's very clear what they that you know they they want to do. Uh, they want to expand um, corporate welfare um, in terms of the Michigan. Uh, the MEDC. Um, so, I mean, just go on Michigan votes and uh, you can read what they've, what their agenda has been, but they have not been able to fulfill it. Uh, now they can. So buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Well, I mean, the, the attack on charter schools has been going on for 15 years. Uh, and I think the thing that um, I find most uh, interesting and uh, is most statistically uh, charter schools in Michigan have a higher population of uh, children in poverty. And that's measured by uh, the, uh, the amount of children on free and reduced lunch. And they have the higher number of minorities. Uh, there's more minorities going to charter schools because most of the charter schools are in Detroit uh, and Flint in that area. Um, and you're, you see the, um, the Democrats, you know, attacking the charter schools, yet not realizing that the people that they're hurting, the, the actual people enrolled in those schools are mostly poor minority children who they claim to want to be helping out the most. So I think that's the storyline that I see coming out of Michigan that has the most that I think is the most interesting. I said if, if they go after and try and strip funding, uh, and actually shut down charter schools. There have been bills over the last five, six, seven years to shut down charter schools in Michigan. 
Now, I don't know how extreme they're going to go, but if they do that, um, you know, does that negatively impact uh, poor minority children? Right. Well, we're keeping our finger on the pulse. I have just filed a story that will be up this weekend on how charter school enrollment did increase during the three years of the pandemic while traditional public school enrollment decreased. And that's not in all areas. There are some areas around here in Flint. I I have uh, contacts at some of the local charter schools who tell me that uh, their enrollment is actually down. So we'll just keep our eye on how things are going and we'll be sure to report on all of that. So I'd like to thank you, Scott McClellan, our Michigan reporter, and our managing editor at large, Tom Ganter, for being with me today. And I'd like to wish all of our listeners a wonderful Thanksgiving and a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. And go Lions, and that's for Tom's sake. Um, I don't think I've ever sat through an entire football game in my entire life. But anyway, Michigan Focus is powered by the Center Square, and it's a production of America's Talking Network. And you can find all of the Center Square's great podcasts at americastalking.com. Once again, that's americastalking.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Bruce Walker, Midwest Regional Editor of the Center Square Newswire Service. Listen for another episode of Michigan in Focus next week.